Hello and welcome to another instalment of the Why Football Podcast with me, Michael Dryden and Eches Adokru. Today we are kicking off our new series titled The Chat, where we discuss the last week in football and the key issues to come from it. This differs from our Monday episodes, which provide a much deeper insight into specific topics. Um, This Monday was on the late, great Gerard Houllier and his long career as a manager, so please check that one out. Before we start, please follow us on Twitter at YFootball underscore and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and YouTube. Hello, witches. Yeah, hey, Dryden, you good? Yeah, I'm not too bad, not too bad. Feeling very festive on this Tuesday morning. How are you? How are you doing? Yeah, yeah very decent. We should have got like a drum roll uh, for the new series. <laughs> I'll add one in. I'll add one yeah, in. Yeah, I think that'd be pretty good. But uh, yeah, kind of to kick things off this week, we're going to discuss can Liverpool win the title? Is it wrapped up or will one of the chasing pack catch them? And to kind of kick things off, Dryden, I wanted to look at the chasing pack. So I've got a little list down here. And first on it is second place in the league with 27 points. We need another drum roll. We don't have one. Leicester City. <laughs> it is indeed. And just for a bit of context, I've got on my screen right now, we've got the Premier League table from last season, which we should note is actually uh, on game week 18 last season. So we're like four game weeks behind because of coronavirus. So it isn't a direct comparison, but it's still, I think, you know, it's right to compare, you know, the Christmas, whoever's top at Christmas is so significant in the Premier League. Uh, Liverpool were top at Christmas. They obviously went on to win the title, but they were also top the season before and it was won by Manchester City. So yeah, you're right in saying uh, that Leicester are in second place with 27 points. And I think they've, they've you know, it's, it's a good achievement for them. And I'm, I'm really pleased to see Leicester as a club actually have reached this kind of consistent level right now and by now. Obviously, they won the title in what was unusual circumstances under Ranieri. And I think to an extent... While we, it was such an unlikely event, I think a lot of credit needs to be given Leicester as an organisation. We shouldn't take away from the work that's been done behind the scenes, even prior to that title win, that has led them to become the club and the team that they have today. So obviously they won that title with stars such as Mares and Kante who were brought in, but that was no fluke. And I think we're starting to see them reap the consistent uh, kind of rewards from the work they've done in terms of the analytical side, the recruitment side, how they've worked with data, become a pioneer. And I think, will they win the title this season is a very open question for them because they can, but they have got arguably a, a thinner squad, you'd say, than others. So if they were to lose, and they lost indeed at the start of the season to injury, and there was a lot of talk of how that would affect their season. You know, if Vardy was to fall to injury, if... Um, Schmeichel for example I know the keepers are always key for every club but they've got a particularly thin squad so I think it could be it could be difficult for them to maintain that level of consistency I think that's a fair point I think the recruitment thing's massive Leicester are one of the few clubs in the Premier League in my opinion that sell consistently and buy very well Tim Tim Chilwell Ben Chilwell (laughs) (laughs) good old Tim you know what it is because I I was mentioning Timothy Castagna (laughs) <laughs> and they merged the two names together. So obviously they sold Ben Chilwell to Chelsea. They brought in Castagna, who's been a great replacement. You mentioned Ndidi was out injured and uh, Mendy, who they brought in a few years ago, actually. Yeah. Kante did a good job. You look at Harry Maguire in defence, he left a few years ago, and Wesley Fofana has been immense. Yeah. Like, he's a pressing machine. He He's dyed his hair. I don't know if his hair is still... Um, peroxide blonde which is one of the worst looks going however 
He's got such ability on the ball. He played it with Saliba, who obviously we have at Arsenal uh, at St. Etienne last year, and he's been fantastic. And that's what Leicester do is they keep selling their best players, but they continuously grow. They grow and they grow and they grow. They buy quite well. I've liked Under. Um, I've seen him play a few yeah, times. Yeah. He's played quite well. Madison, they bought well from the championship, you know, and and that's what they've managed to keep on doing. I think you're right in saying the squad is a bit thin, um, you know, which which could be an issue for them uh, in, in the latter half of the season, especially with their Europa League commitments. Um, so that could be a problem. Moving on to the next team in the league. So we've got Man United. Uh, a bit of context here. So... Uh, Dryden doesn't have Fernandez in his fancy football team, and therefore he always wants Man United to lose. Um, <laughs> he doesn't actually profit from it. That's very true. Um, but I think Man United's attacking talent is so good. I was speaking with my flatmate actually. What United have is they have match winners. So seventy-eight minutes, you've played awful all game. Mm. Either it, you, your players aren't up for it. Like you know, they, they're not really bothering. Like it's cold, wet, and windy. It's not on Stoke. It's not in Stoke, but it's cold. <laughs> And you're looking at someone to change a game. Bruno Fernandes is going to do something. He's either going to get a pen or he's going to take the pen or he's going to do some weird pass which goes through and he's going to win it. Rashford's the same. Pogba, when he's on his day, and I love Paul Pogba, thinks a fantastic player, is the exact same as well. He might decide to just spray a 60-odd ball and the defence is cut. And that's what United have in terms of their attacking talent is they can just switch it on you at any moment. Also, as well, to be fair to them, they're a really, really good at counter-attacking team. Like you, I've seen them cut man up. Like when they, yeah. when they opt to do it, even against Leeds, they will. So I think actually he's one of the negatives as to why they may not win the league actually, which is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I do consistently criticize him, but his masterstroke to bring in Dan James, I thought as an ideal to kind of use the pace to get between the lines on the break was mad. Yeah. He got a goal actually where Scott McTominay passed it to him and it was fantastic. And I kind of mm. feel like, Good at counter-attacking team, goals galore, good attacking players. I think they, they're definitely in the mix to potentially win the league. What are your thoughts? Well, they're kind of the opposite for me in terms of, if we're talking about Leicester, we're not talking about United. They they have a much more in-depth squad. Obviously, they've got the resources to do so. Um, and arguably, do have the sort of squad, like Chelsea, that could you know consistently perform across the 38 game weeks. And because now we're... And I was meant to mention this for Leicester, but I didn't. We're, we're now talking a, a level now to win the Premier League. We're talking the bar's been set in the last three years at the 90 point level, if not more. I mean, what was Liverpool when it, I think it would have been the mid 90s last year? Yeah. City broke the 100 point total for the first time. You know, it might be different this season because it has been a bit more consistent uh, for most teams. And as we've seen that from how tight it is now at the top, um, but that bar is set so much higher. United and Chelsea, Liverpool City, they are the four teams I'd say have this consistent squad or have the squad to to basically operate at a consistent level or a high level um, over the course of the season, even when they're playing European fixtures. Whereas teams like Leicester, a team like Tottenham, for example, it is that much more difficult, I think, to maintain that consistency, unless they don't get injuries, but they, they could do. So I think United could be a contender for perhaps fourth place. It's very difficult because I'm looking at the table now and I'm trying to arrange it in my head, but there's just not enough places. I want to say, I'm going to end up saying that five or six, like five or six teams are going to end up fourth. <laughs> I think, I think Chelsea will eventually end up in there and I do think United could, but then with that, you're taking out Leicester and Tottenham. I think Leicester and Tottenham are more likely to, to not be in there at the end 
than the likes of perhaps United and Chelsea because they've got those resources. Like, as you said, they've got match winners. Chelsea have match winners. We discussed it about Arsenal, that we won't be talking too much about in this episode, which is a shame to an extent because they've fallen so much. And no one, no one wants to see that unless you're a Tottenham fan. Um, really, you want to see it could be competitive at yeah, the top, which is leave Arsenal kind of is. We've got match winners in the United team. We've got match winners in the Chelsea team, and you're right. You're you're right with that. They've also got Big Bruno, who hasn't been in my fantasy team yet since he joined United, and it upsets me every week. I end up in tears <laughs> every weekend, like I was this weekend. I, I, I kind of think with United as well, it's what will hold them back is an inconsistency. So Arsenal's uh, well, best league win of the season was when we beat them away at Old Trafford and we really shut them down with the press quite high. They couldn't really live with that and they really struggled. Um, I think in terms of where they'll come in the league, again, yeah, it's that situation where it's like, oh, <laughs> we've got three or four teams or five teams that are all going to come fourth. They've got so much stacking talent they could do quite well. I'm not a big fan of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I don't think he's the right man to take them forward, which is to dominate Europe again, which should be the aim. For this topsy-turvy season, I could see them coming third. I could see, you know, I expect City to come back up the table. Um, but I think it, we, we kind of have to define some positions here. So I've got, I've got definitely going Leicester fifth, and I'm going to go with Man United third for me, um, is what I'm going to put down. But... It's a tough one. I kind of feel like for them, they're just they're just quite inconsistent. Uh, even against Leipzig in the Champions League, got battered for the opening fifty minutes. Yeah, got a really dodgy penalty, and then absolutely like closed the doors in on Leipzig, and Leipzig couldn't really get out. And that's what they're like. They just they just I don't really think they have the consistency to mount well, a serious. Yeah, team. but Oli's, Oli's actually been quite re- quite. It's done quite well in terms of his reactions or being quite a reactive manager this season. And we've seen that in the last kind of handful of games where. Even, for example, Cavani coming on against Southampton, turned the game around. So looking at last season, they were actually at this point, again, we're, we're not in the same game week, so to speak, but at Christmas, they were uh, eighth, They were in eighth um, with 25 points. And you think now they are, after 13 games, so that's five games behind because they've got a game in hand, they've actually got a point more than 26. They've got 21, uh, oh, sorry, they've got a seven goal difference. And they're sitting in third. So... You know, things are looking actually quite rosy, uh, aside from the fact that United, I think, now will be in the Europa League. Um, so, yeah, I can I can see them being in there just because that depth of squad. And as I, as I said, they can change games with that depth. Leicester come stuck against a Southampton away. Have they got the same talent coming on? They've got under coming on, as you said. He's a quality player. Um, they've got other, you know, Barnes doesn't often start. He might come on, but it's not the same as bringing on, you know, the likes of Cavani, Martial, whoever doesn't start. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're you're all right with that. You know, United kind of do have that depth at their disposal. Um, so we have, it remains to be seen where they kind of come. The next one is another manager I'm pretty not too convinced on. Uh, Frank Lampard's Chelsea, um, who have played quite well this season. And some get again. That's a common theme with all of the teams, really. Apart from I'd probably say Liverpool now because they seem to have turned the corner, whereas they've all been yep. pretty inconsistent. You know, Chelsea lost Everton here, here in their own right, doing quite well. And been disappointing in a few other games I've seen, but then have turned on against others. I remember watching Man United Chelsea, which was the most boring game I think I've ever watched because Chelsea were afraid of the counter, so didn't press on possession, and United are waiting. <laughs> so you just saw two yeah. teams just kind of standing there holding hands, which was a bit, uh, which wasn't great to watch. 
I think the positives for Chelsea, again, is the attacking talent they brought in this summer, which, again, is another theme with most of these sides as they have really fluid attacks. But I think Chelsea specifically, because they brought in Ziyech, they brought in Havertz, they brought in Werner, uh, Pulisic they came in uh, last summer as well. Not last summer, but the year before. Um, you get hudson Adoy still on their books. They've got so many players. Giroud, every time he's benched, he like kicks off a fuss and then comes on and then scores like two, three goals or four. <laughs> um, so they've got so many attacking options there. I think one of their weaknesses, actually, which has been highlighted, is two things. One, who is their nine? I think it's important. You know, I've seen Tammy come in. I think Tammy scored yesterday. Um, but, you know, Giroud's also come in. And, you know, it's one of those things where I think all of the teams around them, actually, even United, you know their best eleven. I think Chelsea sometimes I feel are a little bit struggling for that in certain aspects. I mean, Mount plays. Where does Havert, Havertz fit in? Is Ziyech in that team as well? Hudson Doyle is normally in the cold. What about Pulisic? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think that's what he's struggling with at the moment. Is I want to know who is the best eleven? Where's Kante? Where's Kovacic? Who who's involved in that one? And I think that's kind of where Chelsea are lacking a little bit. I think they need some consistency there to say this is the team that we're going to have and this is going to, how we're going to move forward. Um, but aside from that, you look at their team on paper with Mendy coming in as well and they look really, yeah. really solid. Um, what, what do you think about them, Jordan? Well, what I thought has been really interesting about Chelsea this season uh, has been that they've had so many stars come in, but actually some of the key performers this season have actually been some of the players that were already there prior to that who perhaps played a part last season. Um, so, I mean, some of the recruitment, that, as you spoke about, that has done quite well has been you know, Mendy's come in, he's done very well. Chilwell's done very well. He got injured last night, um, which is a shame. Um, and Zayas has showed, you know, glimpses of quality. But, you know, players like Zuma, who's really came back and showed his worth. Um, we've seen Mount do very well. Reese James has been a highlight for Chelsea this season. And again, Tammy Abraham and Giroud have actually performed and have stepped up when perhaps they were thinking at the start of the season, you know, are we going to, are we the future for Chelsea? Uh, Werner's ended up playing a lot more out wide, so perhaps it was always the idea to have Abraham playing a, more of a feature in up front or play more games. But it's been good to see those players actually flourish. And you know, arguably, if you know when Zayas comes back from injury, I have actually got no idea what's, what situation is with Havertz. I don't think anyone does. And if those players come in and add to that, then we could real, really see a, a force uh, to be reckoned with. Werner's a weird one. I mean, it's, he's been quite unfortunate. I mean, last night, for example, he had an assist for uh, Abraham where he basically scuffed a shot, went straight through Abraham, who just tapped it in. And then he came through at the end and did like a Jeff Hurst style spoon that hit off the crossbar. <laughs> Apart from Jeff Hurst went in and it was about 50 years ago. But um, yeah, I really want Werner to do well. And I think he will do. He's just playing a very different type of system to what he's playing in Leipzig and a very different kind of league. Playing against opposition that, you know, a lot of the time we've seen a lot of low block. You know, we've discussed this types of like West Brom, Newcastle, who are going to be playing low block. Can Werner break those teams down, particularly from wide areas? Uh, I don't know. It's a different topic perhaps than what we're discussing here. I don't think Chelsea can win the title this season. I don't think. And I think Lampard is still got a free pass to an extent because last season he had the his first season in the Premier League, his second season altogether managing. He they had the embargo, so he was given that pass in terms of well, he's got to play the youth. So you know, give him a chance. This season's almost like flipped on its head. Like they've signed so many players for so much money, but to an extent, that's almost given him another pass to say, well, you had so many players come in that you need more than perhaps a season to embed them to yeah, actually 
to to breach that ninety point kind of threshold that I've set. <laughs> that I've yeah, set. No, I think I think with Werner though, you mentioned a really good point where football analytics Twitter. Uh, <laughs> my, my favorite yeah and general football watching is that he's missed quite a few chances and everyone goes on about xg and all that sort of stuff but he gets himself into positions to score quite a lot and i i liken him to cavani where they miss quite a lot and they also seem to score quite a lot but the problem is, is that we focus on the misses more than the goal scoring opportunities when actually the skill that they have which is perhaps underrated because they're not scoring is the fact that they're getting into those opportunities to begin with um i i think I think he will come good. To be honest with you, I've, I've never actually been not convinced on him, but I watched him quite a lot for Leipzig, and I, I didn't. I saw what the fuss is about. He's quick, direct, and can finish. However, I didn't think he would like set the Premier line. What I think he will become is a very efficient goal scorer, like a Bemiang. Because I see them as quite similar players: direct, quick, started off wide, can come centrally. They're different. Yeah. They're different in stature. Yeah, Bemiang is a lot bigger. But they're quite similar on the ball. Are quite direct lateral runners rather than offering trickery to cut inside or whatever. Not brilliant passers or great hold-up player, but it's that searing pace, I think, and that ability to be there in the right place at the right time, which I think both of those players can be. Yeah. Um, on my little list, I've got uh, third for Man United and fifth for Leicester. Uh, what are your thoughts on where Chelsea are going to come? I think their biggest downside will be Lampard again. I, I think if it's crunch time in March, I just can't see Lampard doing the business, to be honest. So I think for them, it's going to be top four, top four job again. I think Chelsea are likely to finish in that just because I think, again, they've got that, that wealth of talent. And so on my list, um, it would go uh, Liverpool, City, Chelsea, probably United, I think would be the top four I'd have. But yeah, I think I put Chelsea in at third. Yeah, but Chelsea down as, as fourth. So kind of uh, going on to the next team, everyone's favourite, uh, Tottenham Hotspur, uh, slash my least favourite. <laughs> uh, to be fair, to be fair, so like I actually said how to do things. I said, one, Ancelotti's too old to manage the Premier League. And I also said that Mourinho's finished in football and now Everton are what, third or fourth and Tottenham are a bit below that and are doing really, really well in the league. Whereas Arsenal, who I said Arteta was going to be the pioneer of football, uh, 15th or whatever it is. So, um, Hats off to those two for proving me wrong. I think what Spurs have done really well this season is, I think we speak about managers that have, before the call actually, managers that have systems and managers that prioritise players. And mm. I think what Mourinho's done is he's looked at what he's got available at Tottenham and utilised their strengths really, really well. I think the way they the way they cut up Liverpool, I know that it was one, they lost 2-1. They cut up Liverpool quite a fair few times. I know that Liverpool this season have struggled with that and I know they had Reese Williams at centre-back and I know that they had um, loads of defenders injured but Tottenham cut them up. Like there were, yeah. there were there were two, there were four opportunities they should have scored. One Kane header, two Bergwijn ones and Son who did score but there were loads of half-ops where either normally to be fair Fabinho who I thought was excellent made a covering tackle, blocker interception where Tottenham were going. As soon as it came into either La Celso or Sissoko, whoever was central, you had one direction Sonnaby running in, you had Bergwijn running in another direction in Kane immediately. And normally because the fullbacks are pressing high, there's space galore. So I feel like Mourinho's got them really well drilled. I like Hoiberg. I think he's been really good for them. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah. think they did. They look committed and solid. You know, when they're sitting in their two banks of four, they're ready to pounce and know exactly what they've got to do. And when they've got players like Son and Kane, they're going to cause havoc. Mm. It's going to, I'm shaking my head because they're just, they're just going to cause havoc. They're going to do something in the game where there's going to be a bit of magic. 
and you're going to be in trouble because those two guys are in hot, hot form right now. Mm. Yeah, I think against Leicester, they they came up against the masters of their own philosophy uh, to pack central areas and then break on the counter. You know, Leicester been doing that for a number of years, are the masters. So perhaps that's where they came unstuck. But I mean, they have you know, they obviously lost at Anfield, lost at home to Leicester. They've got good fixtures coming up. I've had Liverpool and City. So it'd be wrong to kind of, I think a lot of pundits now will be jumping on the whole, this is what we expected kind of thing from Tottenham. I think Tottenham are probably going to end up outside that top four. I don't think they're going to challenge for the title for the reasons I mentioned with Leicester. They haven't got that depth, I don't think. And they haven't got that plan B seemingly that perhaps other teams can do, that Liverpool can do by bringing on someone essentially like Jota or even a midfield with Thiago when he comes back. And so it's very difficult, like when they went 2-0 down against uh, Leicester, it can be a bit more difficult for them to, to opt to a plan B. I don't know what that plan B necessarily is. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. I think as good as Mourinho's counter-stacking ball is, they're poor against Palace, they drew one all, they're poor against Leicester. Uh, he, that plan B is something which is used in football a lot. And I do think that Mourinho has a lot of combinations at his disposal, but I think he's happiest taking the lead and playing that type of football to make teams come onto them. Um, I think as well, the efficiency of his strikers is so high. Is that sustainable? I keep mm. seeing charts of like the expected goals. I don't like mentioning it too often of Son and Kane is really, really high. And I know that Abemiang was really above his last season. <clears throat> and this year he struggled a little bit. So it'd be interesting to see if they can keep that up. Um, mm. Personally, I, I don't think they have enough about them for the title. Um, so I've actually got them as sixth. Because I just, I just feel like they're not much better than Arsenal. We're terrible. Waiting for that comment. I just think we're terrible. And I just I just feel like because it's so topsy-turvy, they're in with a shout. The advantage they do have over everyone else is they've got, they've got a big-time game winner. So if they're, in, if they're in it around March time, March or April time, which they could well be, that's the thing. Like the, the sixth is quite harsh because they could well be involved in that time because... And if they are, if they're fifth or sixth, only five points behind, I would change my predictions because I think when it's game time with someone like Mourinho, the way he's got them playing this season, they could actually fly up the league. I think his game mm. management in big matches in particular is exemplary. And it's probably yeah, it the is. best yeah. out of any of the managers in, in, that we're looking at. So I think it's sixth for now. But if, if you were to ask me again in Feb and they're still sixth, five points behind, I would actually put them a bit higher because I think that they, they just he would grind into them how to produce a result. And I think they could be unstoppable. But moving on, uh, we've got a few more teams to look at. You've got City, um, who obviously, I love Pep Guardiola. I think he is one of the best managers to ever grace the Premier League. I don't buy into all this narrative of, oh, he can only do it when he spends loads of money, because I think the flip side is, when you spend loads of money on top players, to make top players play for you is harder than people actually think. A good example is Rafa Benitez is into Milan after Mourinho left when they tanked uh, because it's, it's, just, it's just not that easy. I think this year they've struggled creativity-wise. Maybe you could argue because of David Silva leaving. I think also Leroy Sane is a big factor as well. I know they signed Ferran Torres. He's looked good. I think it's been a mixture of those two, the lack of Silva, lack of Sane, and also the injuries to both Jesus for a bit and Aguero. But I think in terms of why they could win the title is just one man, KDB. <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne on his day, you know, that he's an exceptional midfielder and they've got so much ability around him. I, I love Phil Foden. I really mm. like Gundigan. Jury's out on Rodri. I think he's a bit of an imposter, but he's played better this season. <laughs> 
Um, they've strengthened at centre back. Diaz looks looks okay. He looks, he looks yep. decent. Um, you know, but I think the issue for them has been creativity, which will hamper them winning the league. But you never know. Yeah, no, agreed. I think you talk about creativity, and I think the difference between the the most obvious difference. And I don't want to make the most obvious analysis here, but the most obvious difference between this season and last season is last season they had David Silva, the season they don't. And I wonder if anyone has stepped up into that plate in that role. So David, I think the long-term successor was always meant to be Bernardo Silva. He's played in a similar role in when Mares plays on the right or Fernand Torres. I think last season, last the game against Southampton, they played with Sterling, they were Fran Torres. And did Morris start? I believe Morris started. Mm-hmm. And so you have you have De Bruyne playing as an eight, and then you have that kind of Bernardo Silva playing that David Silva role. People were talking whether Phil Foden would enter in that role with Bernardo Silva, who I think was always the long-term successor. And it doesn't seem much of a surprise to me that we're looking at a Man City team that's not doing as well and they don't have David Silva. That being said, I think one factor that they haven't, or one position they haven't seemingly got right since uh, Guerrero's injury or since since Guerrero has just become a little bit older is is the striking area. So Sterling's played in that area quite a lot. I think he got 20 Premier League goals last season. He doesn't get enough credit for that, I think, as well, in terms of his ability to score those goals. I think there's always, the jury always seems to be out for Sterling in terms of his ability to score goals, yet he scores 20 Premier League goals. Uh, point being, you know, Gabriel Jesus, I think was meant to be that long-term successor as well, and perhaps hasn't lived up to you know there's a lot hasn't lived up to that kind of expectation. There's a lot of games this season in the Premier League was actually be on the bench because they've opted to play uh, Sterling as the number as the, the striker, the number nine, whatever, or they've played with Ferran Torres in recent games up there because he played up there for Spain. I know and scored. I think he's got a hat trick from striker yeah. from striking position for Spain. Yeah, it's a good point. Cause City. Obviously, the furthest down of the teams we're talking about, albeit with a game in hand, which they, yeah. which they could easily win. Um, and they're so talented. I feel like this is make or break for Pep. I know he's got a two-year deal. He's signed a contract, yeah. I think he's signed a two-year deal. And I want him to I want him to win because he's got a lot of haters now. He had a haters his first season. Where he was like, oh, you can't do it. It's not Bayern. It's not Barca. Yeah. And then he smacked everyone up and they won the league and everyone was silent. Um, then it kind of was like, okay, fine. You won the league now. Win the Champions League. He hasn't done that. And now people are like, oh, is he really that good? Like, you know, City's recruitment. We spoke about recruitment with Leicester. City's recruitment has been a bit suspect at times. Most players they sign, I know Ferran Torres is relatively cheap, but that's because Valencia are in deep financial crisis. But generally, they they spend a lot of money on their players. And when they don't come off, I'm thinking Rodri hasn't been brilliant. I'm thinking Mendy hasn't been brilliant. I'm thinking... Or was it, there's a few you could think of and you think, mm, was that money well spent? You know, John Stones, 50 million, uh, Mangala, 50 million, you know, players like that. You're thinking, right, well, it's just money well spent, really. Um, I think that's kind of hindered him. I hope he can win the title this season because I'm a big fan of his and obviously Arsenal can't win. I think it will be, it's, I think it's going to be seconds because obviously the team we're looking at next, the obvious team, I think the gap they have now between their main rivals, I don't think can be overturned. Yeah, they're eight points behind. Well, they're eight points behind um, Liverpool with a game in hand. So it's not completely out of the question. But the issue, the I think the issue is more, you know, last season, once Liverpool got going, I mean, I think it seemingly got going from the, the outgo, the outset. But even when City themselves did so well and won the Premier League with 100 points, once it got going, you couldn't stop them. And that could happen with Liverpool now. Because Liverpool, we're going to go and talk to them in a second about them in a second. But they've they've got players who've come back. They are picking up some form. They've got good fixtures, as do City. But Liverpool have good good fixtures too. 
it's going to be difficult catching them. You know, five point gap at this stage is actually still quite a lot. Yeah, exactly. Last season they were like they were like juggernauts. Obviously, that's the that's the last team we went to look at, which was actually Arsenal. Who I believe that with a few more wins under our belt and some January signings, we will climb to the top of the league. Okay, yeah, but we'll gloss over that. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine, uh, if Arsenal actually won the... Wow. It's just not going to happen here. How are they going to win the league? They've got 14 points. I would be crying. I was going to say on the podcast, loud and clear, I would be crying. I'll be walking around the street, tattoo across my chest, we won the league, in tears. Yeah, that'd be great. But anyway, yeah, no, back to Liverpool. Back to Liverpool. Um, obviously, they're top at the moment. Uh, reason why they're going to win the league, obviously, they're the current champions and they've just got gunmen everywhere. Um, in particular, they just you just can't. See, I watched the Palace game and Palace played quite well in the opening 35 minutes and they're unfortunate with the goals they conceded. But Liverpool are just so efficient. Like, they maybe haven't even been as efficient as previous season, but when the, you need someone to bag, Salah will be like, right, okay, let me just do it and he'll get the goal. Mane is the same. Bobby has been interesting and Jota because I think Bobby's come in under a lot of stick this season, which I think has been unjust because yeah, I don't crazy. think he's really changed. I think what's happened is when a team is winning, if you go and win 60 games in a row, no one is going to say, you could be the worst right back in the world. No one's going to say shit because you've won 60 games in a row. Yeah. Then it's the other way around and you're not doing very well. You start looking as to why that's happening. And I think Liverpool is a problem where oh, they're not winning, they're not scoring games, or they're not doing as well. Why? And people think, oh, Bobby's not doing this, Bobby's not doing that. And I think he's actually a very, very good player. I think Jota's injury is unfortunate. I think he's added a, a lot to the team. Salah's obviously very important. I think Thiago, from the brief clips I saw of him before his injury, has been exceptional. I think for them to not win the title, the lead they've got, the attacking talent, the intent, the identity they've got under Klopp is, is pretty hard to topple. Um... Yeah, I kind of, I just can't really see any way past from the moment. There are a few weaknesses which I'll go on to, but what yeah. are your thoughts on Liverpool at the moment? Yeah, I agree with the point on Firmino. I think it's quite easy to point the finger at the striker, particularly in a top team when you know goals aren't going in or not doing so well. Um, and obviously he's the, the striker, but I mean in that side, he isn't to an extent. He's the, he's a false nine. He's almost like a, a, a calm to an extent. He's number ten who drops, and then you know the inside forwards are around them, Mane and, and Salah come centrally and above that they're almost the strikers in that team and the, you should look at rather than Firmino arguably that works in their favour that he takes all the heat and then and then Marnie and Salah get none of it and then eventually end up banging goals and they end up winning the league perhaps that's a good thing um, but we had our podcast with um, Lee Scott from Total Football Analysis and he talked about the entry of, of Thiago into the team and how that adds an extra dimension so it's been a shame for them that he's not played um, and it's kind of coincided with Jota coming in as well because so Thiago's meant to bring, provide that outlet from central positions so they build an attack through central areas because usually usually they build their attacks out wide in the wing-back areas, which they did against Palace to a large degree. I think Trent provided the, the ball that eventually went through to, to Minamino to score. He got an assist for Henderson. Robertson got an assist for Firmino's unbelievable touch. And then I really did think he did a no-look shot at the time and I was really excited. We didn't, but it looked like it and it's just a, such a silky finish and a silky play. I think Thiago is meant to bring that kind of the ability to build from centrally. And then where you've got Jota, if you are going to build centrally, then that almost nullifies the need to have someone like Firmino drop. So Jota provides that kind of more of a, a forward outlet, um, a, a kind of more of a number nine outlet as opposed to Firmino. But what I think has been really interesting actually is when Jota, I think he scored a hat-trick in the Champions League. And so it was like, he can't be dropped. They didn't drop Firmino. They just played 
and this is in the absence of Thiago, but they played with Jota, Firmino, Salah and Mane in the team. Um, that was, that was, that was and I wondered if that was the kind of future of Liverpool and yeah. that you'd seen Firmino, like in his role at Hoffenheim, where he played a bit deeper um, in that calm kind of number 10 area. I don't like using the term 10, number 10 anymore because it seems to have been dying out the game. But um, that seems to be what we're going to see. And ho- perhaps when Jota comes back and I just... I just don't. I think Liverpool are going to win the league because I just think they have came through a lot of adversity this season in terms of injuries. Yeah, you say that though. Like apart, so Mourinho did it quite well in a press conference that there's a massive agenda on Liverpool's injuries, and I do think they've had loads of players that are injured. But if you said to Arsenal, okay, Kolesnac, uh, Elneny, yeah, I know what you're going to say. Uh, so, I know, you know, I know what you're going to first say. team players they lost to injury were massive: Joe Gomez and Van Dijk. Tiago was also injured, but Tiago isn't the title-winning team from last year. Yeah, there was a time where obviously Jota's now injured. To be fair, so fair. I, I don't think their team's been decimated as many have said out to be. I know Matip has struggled with injuries, but Matip has always struggled with injuries. I know Fabinho's been injured. To be fair, but was out for a brief period of time. So actually, their injuries haven't been as bad. Yeah, as made out I, to be. I I actually agree, and I I've listened to a lot of interviews with Klopp uh, on the radio when I've been working. I've been listening to a lot of radio. Um, and I'm on the fence. I mean, we'll not talk about this now because we'll end up talking for another hour. But, you know, the whole injury argument where he says he doesn't want to play at 12.30 on a Saturday, for example, where they played away in the Champions League on a Wednesday. And just this whole kind of, or just almost this whole kind of narrative around, you know, especially during coronavirus, the number of fixtures we're playing so quickly, you know, we're going abroad, we're getting a lot of muscular injuries. I don't necessarily buy into this argument that that is so unjust for Liverpool because they have such resources and such a big side I think my point is more to they have still had those injuries and they are still topped by four points at Christmas what's going to happen what's it going to look like you know in the new year when they have those players back and you know what they're going to look like then they're going to be even more for force and that's why I worry for the other sides because City haven't had the same level of of injuries and I know what you're saying any side that loses you know two or three players that's going to be key you know any every side's get injuries and to be fair, they've they've still done well with those injuries. But I fear for the rest of that top five or six because when Jota comes back, when Thiago comes in, when Van Dijk comes back, Gomez comes back, we've seen Trent's now back and played well against Palace. I think they're going to be a, a force to be reckoned with. Because yeah. at the minute, I'll just quickly say at the minute, the minute we've obviously we've got Liverpool at top, mm-hmm. Leicester in second, Manchester United third, the game in hand, Everton in fourth, and we haven't really touched on, but we haven't really got time. I, I kind of expect them to fall out of there. Eventually, uh, Chelsea are in fifth. Tottenham in six, Southampton in seven. I'm keep going down because we need to get to Man City. Southampton in <laughs> seven, and then okay, actually we'll keep on going to Arsenal. Uh, I don't know how long we've got. Yeah. Um, and now uh, eight, we have Man City. Yeah. Um, and so what what are we saying? What do we think it's going to look like? I think when you edit the pod, you need to add in some laughter for that terrible joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll find some online. I'll find a clip of like. <laughs> like Jose Mourinho laughing or something uh, <laughs> I think it'll be Liverpool first City second I think Man United will come third I've put Chelsea at fourth I'll put Leicester at fifth you know what I'm going to change Leicester to sixth Tottenham fifth Hill's quite harsh on Tottenham so Tottenham fifth and then Leicester at sixth Arsenal seventh uh, potentially I think we're going to get a lot of abuse about Manchester United at third is the only concern I've got but they're sitting they're sitting third with the game in hand they've had good fixtures I've noted that and when they've played the Champions League against better opposition, they haven't done so well. They obviously fell out of the the Champions League. They lost heavily at home to Spurs, although that was with 10 men. I think Fred got sent off yeah. um, in that game. So, uh, 
I've watched United this season. I've been impressed with a lot of fixtures, particularly I mean, the Brighton game. They, I think they stole a draw or a victory that game. I think it was a draw. And they were really poor. And so that's why. But there's just a wealth of talent. It's, just, it's the wealth of talent that I can't look away from. And so I'd put, yeah, I'd agree with your list there. I'd put United either third or fourth because I just think Tottenham will falter due to a lack of squad depth as well as Leicester. And given the issues that have been caused to squads through coronavirus, the heightened injuries, and then also the fact that all those teams have European fixtures, uh, it'll be too much for Tottenham and Leicester. Uh, so for a little change this week, guys, I'm going to wrap up. So thank you very much for listening to our first chat. Um, but thank you for listening and we'll see you next week cheers guys cheers